guess, is very clear where we are heading in our passage tonight in terms of what our passage is pointing to has been made very clear uh, in, our, in our hymns. So, we are in um, Exodus, and uh, we have been looking at the tabernacle in the wilderness over uh, a few weeks now, and um, we have thought, as uh, Tom mentioned in our prayers, how um, God said to Moses, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. And that's really what Exodus 25 to 40 is all about. And we thought, uh, as we've looked at Exodus, that the first 18 chapters is about a God who delivers. And then chapters 19 to 24, a God who demands. And now, in this section that we're in uh, tonight, it's a God who dwells. A God who dwells with his people. And so we have looked at um, a lot of things in the tabernacle. And uh, we've thought about the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was in. We thought about the veil that separated the most holy place from the holy place. And in that holy place, we have learned about the table of showbread. We've learned about the lampstand. We've not learned about the golden altar yet, the altar of incense. Um, but we will do in, in due course. And we thought about the coverings of the tabernacle. And then we have also considered the court of the tabernacle. We thought about the brazen altar um, there um, in the court. The first thing that you came to as you entered the, the door to the court, it was the brazen altar. We, we considered that um, last week. And in the next two chapters, as we come to chapters 28 and 29, we are going to think about the priesthood. In chapter 28, it's the clothes for the priests. And then in chapter 29, which we will look at next week, we are going to think about the consecration of the priests. Now, the priesthood was a, a central uh, Point. It, it was central in the functioning of the tabernacle and, and the worship of God was the priesthood. And uh, it is a truth, when you think about it, it's a truth that runs right through Scripture that everything rested, everything rests on the work of the priest. In the Old Testament it rested on, on Aaron and his successors and in the New Testament it rests on Christ the work of God and so the priesthood is central in, in the worship of God and so we come to the priesthood now in these two chapters 
And it's interesting that clothing comes before the consecration or before the persons. The, the, the garments come before the persons, in a sense, in order. And that's quite uh, interesting. And as we consider the garments of the priests tonight, we will see that they represent the ideal. The clothing, the garments, they represent the ideal. The glory and the beauty and the holiness that God requires and that God looks at. It's a, it's a reality that Aaron and the sons of Aaron never lived up to. But it is a reality that was fulfilled in Christ. And, and we'll, we'll see that uh, tonight, we trust. So we're going to think tonight about this chapter. And we are going to think about who the priests were, what was involved in the priests' work, what the priests wore, how the high priest points to Christ. And that is where we're heading to tonight. So let's just read the first two. It's a long chapter. Um, we'll not read it all, and we'll not read it all in one. But we'll read the first two verses together just now. Exodus chapter 28 and verses 1 and 2. Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons, from, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons. Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. And so here in, in this chapter, we are introduced to the priesthood really for the first time. In Exodus 19, you may remember that God said to his people and through Moses that you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests. And so, in a sense, Israel was a priestly nation. They served the Lord as priests. But as we come into this chapter, Exodus 28, we see that God earmarked a particular tribe and within that tribe he earmarked a particular house or a particular family for the priesthood. It was the tribe of Levi and it was the house of Aaron. Aaron who was Moses' older brother. Four sons are mentioned here, and they are mentioned in pairs. And that becomes clear why, perhaps later as we read through our Old Testament. But we have Nadab and Abihu, 
who we read later off, offer strange fire before the Lord and were killed. And then we have Eleazar and Ithamar. And we can read more about their genealogy in, in Exodus chapter 6. Amran married Jochebed. Jochebed had three children, Aaron and Moses and a, a daughter called Miriam. And Aaron had four sons and they ministered with Aaron as priests. So the, the, that is the, the priestly, um, um, who the priests were. And I was thinking, it's interesting, you know, why Aaron? And, and why not Moses? Could it be because Aaron had grown, sorry, Moses had grown up as a privileged young man in Pharaoh's house, while Aaron grew up in his own family. And we think of the conditions of the Israelites in Egypt when Moses and Aaron grew up and how, and how different their childhoods would have been. You know, Moses adopted a son in Pharaoh's palace, being educated in, by, by Pharaoh's great um, system and, and being served the best food and having the best clothing. He, he, it was a life of privilege for Moses. Aaron, on the other hand, no doubt would have um, worked as a slave along with his brothers and sisters, his countrymen in, in Egypt. And as, we, as we'll see uh, tonight, the high priest represented the people before God, as well as God before the people. That was the role of the high priest, representing the people before God. And we could ask the question, was Aaron a more suitable representative than Moses, having experienced the toil and the sweat of his countrymen, unlike Moses? In, in Hebrews, Hebrews has a lot to say about um, the high priest, in particular in reference to Christ. But it says this about the high priest in the Old Testament. Um, Hebrews 5, verse 1, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Since he himself is beset with weakness. Now, Moses had weaknesses, of course, but Moses had not gone through the experiences that his countrymen had, unlike Aaron. 
And so Aaron was chosen over Moses. And there seems to be a real emphasis here in chapter 28 that Aaron is Moses' brother. It's mentioned four times, three times at the beginning, once at the end of this chapter, Aaron, your brother, which is quite unusual. And I did a quick search today. And really twice only elsewhere is Aaron referred to as Aaron, your brother. And that's in chapter 7 in Exodus. And I, I think it's interesting that that is the emphasis to Moses. Take Aaron, your brother, and, and you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. Would it have been difficult for Moses to make holy garments for glory and for beauty for his brother? It wasn't for himself that he was to make it. It was for his brother. Moses was never allowed to wear the high priestly garments. I wonder what Moses wore. I suspect that Moses wore very ordinary clothes, that he was indistinguishable from his countrymen as far as outward appearance was uh, concerned. And so Moses was given the role to make Garments for glory and for beauty for his brother. Clothes that he could not wear himself. And it's the same when you think about the tabernacle. It was Moses that was orchestrating the building of the tabernacle. And all the beauty and the glory of it. And then when we come to Exodus chapter 40 verse 35, it says this. When all was done, Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting. Moses was not allowed to enter it. Aaron, on the other hand, had the daily privilege of going into the holy place to see the beauty and splendor of the tabernacle and once a year to go into the most holy place. Moses wasn't allowed to go into it. He did all that and he could not see the tabernacle in its beauty, in its true beauty. And the same actually goes to the ultimate goal for Moses and the deliverance of God's people. He spent 40 years with God's people on the journey to the promised land, yet Moses himself could not enter. Yet he was faithful. As Hebrews 3 reminds us, Moses was a faithful servant. He selflessly served God he served his people, he served his other brother, his older brother, with humility, without ever wearing the nice clothes or seeing the beauty of the tabernacle or experiencing the fullness of the blessing of the land. And I think that's a great lesson for us, is it not? To be willing to serve faithfully and humbly, even when we don't benefit from it, when it is for the glory of God and for the benefit of our brothers and sisters. So that's a bit about who the priests were. It was the house of Aaron. And then a little bit about the priest's work. 
Let's read verse 3. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill that they may Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. So Aaron was to be consecrated for the priesthood. Now what does the priesthood involve? This chapter is not so much about that. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. But just to, by way of background, I think it's helpful to think about what did the priest actually do? And the first thing that we read about the priest doing is in the end of the previous chapter. It says in verse 20 of chapter 27, You shall command the people of Israel that they bring to you pure beaten olive oil for the light, that the lamp may regularly be set up to burn. In the tent of meeting, outside the veil, that is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening to morning before the Lord. Now that's the first thing that we read about Aaron being responsible for. He was responsible for keeping the, um, the lamp burning in the holy place. Keeping the lamp burning. And when we come to chapter 30 and verse 7, we read that he was responsible also for the altar of incense, which we are still to, to look at in detail. And Aaron shall burn fragrance, fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he, he shall burn it, a regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generation. So every morning and every evening, the priest went into the holy place to make sure that the lamp was burning. The people were to offer the oil to them. They were to put it in the lamp to make sure that the lamp was burning at all times. And as they did this, they were to make sure that the altar of incense also uh, was, uh, that the fragrant incense was on it at all times. And so those were some of the duties. And as we move into the book of Leviticus, we see that they were responsible for the sacrifices at the beginning of Leviticus. And then in Leviticus 16, of course, we read about the great day of atonement, that one day in the calendar of the Jews when the high priest was in, able to enter into the most holy place. Only once a year could anyone enter the most holy place and only one person, and that was the high priest. There's a lot more that could be said about the duties of the priest, which is probably not necessary today. And Numbers 18 in particular speaks about the duties of the priests. But there's one aspect of the priestly ministry which is brought before us in this chapter, as well as the clothes that they were to wear. And we see that in verses 12 and 29 in this chapter. It says in verse 12, And you shall set the two stones on the shoulder pieces of ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for remembrance. And then in verse 29, So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place to bring to, 
bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. So here we see a specific aspect of the duty of the high priest, and that was to enter the holy place, to bring to remembrance before the Lord the names of Israel, the, the tribes, the people of Israel, to bring in remembrance, bring them in remembrance before the Lord, a reminder before the Lord. And that's perhaps the, 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 the focus as far as their duties is concerned in chapter 28. It was to bring to remembrance before the Lord the people of Israel. So that's the priests, who the priests were and what their work was. And then what the chapter is really all about. And that is what they were to wear. Read with me verse 4 please. <clears throat> These are the garments that they shall make. A breastplate. A, a breastpiece. An ephod. A robe. A coat of checker work. A turban. And a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother. And, and his sons to serve me as priests. And so we have here the six um, items of uh, the garments that the high priest was to wear. And they are listed there on, on that, is a, that is the verse uh, verbatim, but just ordered in a bit of a bullet point just to, for, to help us. And um, because as I was reading this chapter and rereading this chapter, there's, there's so much detail in here. And I wasn't particularly familiar with some of the vocabulary when it comes to items of clothing. So um, I had to sort of re read and reread. And then I thought a picture is helpful just so, for us to, to see what is going on here. So we have six pieces of items, uh, uh, items of clothing rather, mentioned. That is for the priestly garment. And that's verses 4 to 39. Then we have in verses 40 to 41. We have the garments for all the priests. And then the last couple of verses. We have the undergarments that they, ought, they were all to wear. So we have six pieces of uh, clothing. And as we look at the picture of that high priest... I didn't do that picture myself, obviously. It hopefully is a, a reasonable representation. And I think, I think it is. And so we have the, the, breast, the breast piece or the breast plate. And that comes first. And we have then the ephod uh, on which the breast piece um, was, was, was on. The ephod probably was in, in two pieces, a front and a back, which was joined on the shoulders. Um, and then we have a rope, the blue rope. And then we have a coat of checkerwork, white coat of checkerwork. We have a turban and we have a sash. Those are the six items of clothing described 
um, for us. And we see that the breast piece comes first in the list. We also see that it is by far the, the largest portion of, of this chapter, 16 verses, all together. I want to say a little bit about the material used and then the order of the items. Firstly, the material. Let's read verses 5 and 6. They shall receive gold, blue, and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and of fine twined linen, skillfully worked. The material used for the high priestly garments were gold, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and, and fine twined linen. And they, these are repeated four times in this chapter, always in this order. And as the tabernacle is, is described, we see that this is the same material, the same colors as used in the tabernacle. It's these colors and these materials are mentioned about 24 times uh, when the, the tabernacle is being described and always in this order. And I think that there must be a significance in that. And I'm going to suggest to you that the gold speaks about the holiness of God. Now we don't need to use too much imagination for that. When we come to verse 36 in this chapter, it says there that you shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord or holy to Yahweh. So the, the gold speaks about holiness. And when we look at the tabernacle, we see that in the in the holy place, in the most holy place, the, 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 it was there was it was pure gold that the ark and the ark of the covenant, the, the mercy seat was made of. And in the holy place, the lampstand, the table, and the altar of incense, they were made of gold. As we moved out, as we moved out into the court, we see that it's brass or or, or bronze that the altar and the laver is, 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 is being used for that. And, and bronze, I would suggest, or, or, or brass speaks of judgment. It was on the brazen altar that the sacrifices were, were made. We can think of the, the brazen serpent in the wilderness. So the, that speaks of judgment, but the gold speaks of holiness. And, and the blue... The blue is the color of heaven, is it not? Look up, certainly on a day like today. You look up and it's blue. It's the color of heaven. The color of the sky. Scarlet is the color of earth. Man's blood. And purple, which is always mentioned in between the blue and the scarlet is blue and scarlet 
combined. And so it speaks of humanity and deity combined. And that's what the tabernacle is all about, is it not? Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. And so the sanctuary is all about deity dwelling with humanity. And then we come to the New Testament, of course, and we read John 1.14. The Word, who is the one who is eternal and equal with God, the Word became flesh and tabernacled, pitched his tent with us. Tabernacle with us. And so these colors, I believe, they point to Christ. The one who was deity manifest in flesh. As we would sing at Christmas time, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. And so that we have the material and the, the color and they speak of holiness, deity, humanity and deity and humanity together and then we have the order and we thought about how the breastplate comes first in the in in the order there in verse four it's not described first the ephod is described before the breastplate but i think it's a practical reason because the breastplate is on the ephod so he describes the ephod and then he describes the breastplate that is on the ephod. But the focus, the focal point in the high priestly garments is definitely the breastplate. That is the focal point. Let's read a few verses from this chapter. Read from verse 7. Speaking about the ephod. It shall, it shall have two shoulder pieces attached to its two edges so that it may be joined together and the skillfully woven band on it shall be made like it and be of one piece with it of gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. You shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on the one stone and the names of the remaining six on the other stone in order of their birth. As a jeweler engraves signets, so shall you engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall enclose them in settings of gold filigree. And you shall set the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on the shoulders for remembrance. You shall make settings of gold filigree and two chains of pure gold twisted like cords, and you shall attach the corded chains to the settings. And you shall make a breastplate piece of judgment in skilled work. In the style of the ephod you shall make it of gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen shall you make it. It shall be square and doubled, a span its length, that's about 22 centimetres, and a span its breadth. You shall set in it four rows of stones. A row of sardius, topaz, and carbuncle shall be the first row, and the second row of an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. 
and the third row a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst, and the fourth row a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold filigree. They shall be twelve stones with their names according to the names of Israel. They shall be like signets, each engraved with its name for the twelve tribes. Verse 29, so Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. And so we note that the ephod, it had two shoulder pieces, an onyx stone on each side, with the names of the twelve sons of Jacob, six on either side, engraven in the stone. The shoulder, the shoulders being that place of strength and security. And it says in verse 12, Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on the shoulders for remembrance. And then we have the breastplate plate, or the breast piece. It was square, 22 by 22 centimeters. It was a piece of folded cloth. And on it were set 12 stones, four rows of three. Each stone was engraven with the names of the tribes of Israel. And we read in verse 29, Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breast piece on the judgment on his heart. And if the shoulders is that place of strength and security, then the heart is that place of affection and care. And so this, it's clear to see, is it not, the picture here of the high priest and what this speaks of. Because as we come into the New Testament, it is full of references to Christ as our high priest. And Hebrews in particular focuses on this subject. And I just want to read a couple of uh, short passages from Hebrews before we close, just to see how Exodus 29 points forward to Christ, and it speaks about his work as our great high priest. And we could pick many passages, but let's pick two. Hebrews um, chapter 2 and verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise took of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it's not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. The Lord Jesus had to be made like his brothers, that's you and I. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. 
For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Just turn over one page into chapter 4 and verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may find that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Wonderful verses that speak of a high priest that you and I have in Christ, if you are a believer. You have a high priest. And we can think about the character of Christ as our high priest, and we can think about the work of Christ as our high priest. When we think about the character, we think about the material and the colors of the high priestly garments. We think about the holiness of Christ, the gold. We think about his deity, the blue. We think about his humanity, the scarlet. We think about the purple, that deity and humanity combined. We think about that pure linen, which speaks about his purity, which Hebrews brings out before us. He was tempted in every respect, just as we are. Yet he makes this important qualification, yet without sin. And so we think about the character of our high priest. But although he was set apart, holy and separate, as um, Hebrews goes on to speak about elsewhere, he is able to sympathize with our infirmities because he became like us. And then we think, so, and that's his character. And then we think about his work. What was the principal duty of the high priest it was to bring to remembrance before the Lord the people of Israel and I believe that is the, 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 the ministry that Christ does for us today as believers he intercedes for us and the Bible the New Testament is so full of that Paul says at the end of um, Romans 8, who is to condemn? Christ is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. He is interceding for us. And the names of the sons of Israel were on the shoulders. Six on an onyx stone on this side and six on the onyx stone on, on this side. They were also on his, on his heart, on different precious stones. And I like this thought that I picked up in, in one of my books uh, as I prepared. You know, the on, onyx stones, there was no difference. We were, they, they were all the same. 
all the names written on the same kind of stone. And it speaks about the unity and how before the Lord there is no difference. We are the same and there's unity there. But then on his heart, on that place of affection, our names are engraven on different stones. And it speaks of how each of us has a peculiar place before God. Each of us. There was, there's diversity there. And, and the beauty of this is wonderful that as Christ intercedes for us, he intercedes for his church and we are part of the church and we are all the same. But he also intercedes for us. He pleads for us individually. And we are on his heart. God is able to create that variety. And we see that in the, in the garments of the high priest. Without that variety involving inferiority because we are one in Christ. And so Christ is your high priest today. And he's described as a great high priest. Aaron was a high priest. The Lord is a great high priest. And he is our high priest. And he intercedes for us. And that's wonderful to think that we are on his shoulders. We are upon his heart. And therefore, we are safe and we can rest on the great salvation that God has wrought for us. And that, that safety, that security, that affection that we have in Christ. I want to finish with a poem tonight. Some of you may be familiar with this poem. It's, it's really about the hem of the robe of the high priest. We notice that in, as, the, as the robe is being described there, um, on, in verse 33, on its hems you shall make pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet yarn around its hem with its bells of gold between them, a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate around the hem of the robe. And so it shall be on Aaron when he ministers and its sound, the sound of the bell, shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out so that he does not die. Now let me read to you a poem. I don't know if you like poetry. Uh, I like it a bit, and I like this little poem. It's called Bells and Pomegranates by <laughs> J.M.S. Tate. With holy awe and reverent pace, the priest approached the holy place, Attired in garments that became the place where God had set his name. His ephod shone with gold and gems, while softly from the wreathen hems the mellow music rose and fell.
from a pomegranate and a bell. A pomegranate and a bell. Today there's still a holy place, an altar and a priestly race. A godly order still obtains the pattern of the house remains. Shall I invade that sacred shrine and jangle through its calm divine with clamorous notes that plainly tell no pomegranates but a bell, another bell and another bell. Oh, for the grace that knows to suit the outward sound to inward fruit that knows how well the music blends when lips confess and life commends that though with boldness coming brings no reckless touch to holy things but hems the priestly garments well with a pomegranate and a bell a pomegranate and a bell let's pray father we thank you for the high priest and his garments and how they point to the lord jesus and we thank you that we could read about our great high priest and we thank you for a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses and who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet is without sin let we can now therefore come with confidence and draw near into your presence and, and receive grace and, uh, and find mercy in help and help in time of need and father we thank you for this remind us always of the one who intercedes for us daily in your presence and we thank you for him in his precious name amen <laughs>